one thing I remember him saying, and I can hear him saying it, you know, to me, he'd always tell me the problem is confidence, not competence. Welcome back to The Vet Life, a podcast for veterinary mentors and mentees. My name is Dr. Mariah McCauley, and this week I am talking with Dr. Michael Bug. Mike is one of the hosts of the Veterinary Project podcast, where you can find conversations about everything that happens outside of the veterinary hospital, ranging from developing resiliency to creating hybrid veterinary careers. In this week's episode, Mike and I talk about personal development as he shares his story of how he found himself asking, what now, pretty early on, and how it influenced the trajectory of his career. There is so much to learn from today's episode, so let's dive right into it. All right. Well, Mike, welcome to the show. It's um, been a wee while since we last chatted. I think, what were we saying, like two, three years almost? Yeah. And it's you were one of the first people I reached out to and got a bunch of podcasting tips from. So thank you very much for oh, that. Podcasting tips. That makes me sound like I actually know what I'm doing up here, but on the other end of this microphone. But no, this has been... I think it's really exciting to kind of reconnect with different podcasters after it's been so long because as we talked off microphone, a lot of life happens and especially in the last couple of years with COVID and just the transition that's been going on there. But part of what we're going to talk about today is all related to this and talking about personal development and how you may have a trajectory that you think you're going to take in life, but then it usually side rails and something else amazing happens. So we wanted to talk a lot about what that looked like for you and your own personal development story. So without me just having a long-winded intro here, I'm going to turn it over to you. And so tell us a little bit, like, what are you doing right now? And then let's take a 90-degree turn and go back in time. Okay. I'll try to keep it tight. So what am I doing right now? And it's funny, all your listeners are going to be, you know, in the veterinary industry. I am a veterinarian. I'm a 2008 graduate, but currently I do not practice. I am not in clinical practice anymore. I would say my source of income is I'm a full-time real estate investor. I also run a veterinary podcast. So the Veterinary Project podcast I co-host with Jonathan that's kind of what keeps me plugged into the veterinary community and the veterinary side of things and sort of building off what you said of, you know, life takes pivots and you end up in places that you didn't expect. If I was to rewind, certainly to when I got into vet school and on my veterinary graduation day, everything that I'm doing with the exception of being, you know, a dad that was always on the radar, but everything I'm doing professionally was not on my radar, right? My life looks like almost exactly nothing like I thought it would. So in a good way. Mm. When I think back to that, I would say there's there's probably two points that really stick out very early in my career that jump out at me. So number one was driving to work on my very first day ever as a veterinarian, right? So I'd done all the volunteering. I'd worked in veterinary clinics, done all the schooling, And I remember driving to the veterinary clinic for the first time ever as a real life veterinarian, stopping at a red light and kind of having like, I guess we'll say like almost a mini panic attack, but like looking up and being like, wow, like what the hell have I done? You know, all my life up to that point was very outcome based, like get into vet school, get through year one, two, three, four, graduate, become a vet. You finally get there, you stop and take a minute and then you're like, whoa, like 
now what? You know, and I, to be honest, I felt a little bit lost. I was like, okay, so I just do this for 30 or 40 years now. And then the second big thing that led me into this whole world of like personal development and started all the pivots in my life was within the first like six months of working as a veterinarian. I was back at the vet clinic, you know, in my hometown where I kind of grew up, knew all the vets from when I was a little boy. And all of a sudden, one of the retired vets was back picking up shifts. And so all my life, I had been taught like, you know, you go to school, get good grades, get a good job, which check mark, you know, being a veterinarian is save 10% of your income, you'll be fine. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing retired vets coming back and working. This was in the 2008, 2009 window, right? So there was a lot of financial turmoil, but it just absolutely shattered everything I thought I knew, you know, about personal finance and retirement. So those two big events kind of rocked my world early on and started me into this, you know, personal development world and learning and then had eventually shook out to where I am now. Well, that is a lot of different pivots that happen. And I think a lot of new graduates or even veterinary students can relate to that moment that you had early in your career when you were literally driving to your first day and you're like, what am I doing? Like, is this really what I want to do? Then like the number of times that I've heard veterinary students and new grads say that, I'm like, you're not alone in that for sure. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you made the wrong decision, but it's a very normal question to ask of yourself. And I think it's really important for them to hear from people that are in your stage of life to say, okay, you thought that too, and yet things turned out okay. So first off, if you're hearing that, like that is the kind of response that you can have to it. But also, like just looking again, like you went through years of actually being in practice, and then you said, you know what, I want to do something a little bit different. And you can do that in the veterinary profession. Like that is just absolutely amazing. So one thing that I, I really want to ask, especially on this type of podcast, is in that early part of your career when you were trying to develop who you were going to be, did you have a mentor? Yes, actually. I, I mean, I had lots of mentors and I f- consider myself to be exceptionally fortunate because I, I had a phenomenal mentor. To be honest, some of this is luck because it's just where I grew up. And so I met my mentor even back in high school, like doing my volunteer work in the vet clinic, went back as a veterinary student. And then that was the first veterinary clinic I worked at. And it's funny because like I would have this individual as like a full on life mentor who just happened to also be a veterinarian and give me a lot of awesome veterinary mentorship. That is really cool. And so you would say that that person was pretty instrumental in developing who you've become? Yeah, like in terms of he was a male, in terms of male figures in my life, like short of my dad, you know, he would be right up there. Like I had an amazing mentor. That is wonderful to hear. And just like those are the kind of people I can see the joy in your face when you talk about it. Like that's the kind of mentor that I hope that a lot of veterinarians can end up with. And I mean, like you said, yours is more of like you have this life mentor who happened to also be a veterinarian, which... That's like the unicorn of of veterinary mentors, I feel like, but it definitely brings a ton of value. So in what were some of the, if you can share, like some of the conversations that you had with your mentor that helped influence um, the directions that you took in your life? Yeah. I don't know if this necessarily influenced direction, but one that jumped out as you were asking it, one thing I remember him saying, and I can hear him saying it, you know, to me, he would always tell me. The problem is confidence, not competence. He was also a bit of a jokester. 
I think this was my third year. So I'm a, I'm a veterinary student at this point. And I was going back to work there in the summer. And of course, I'm all excited. I'm going to do some of the spays and neuters, right? And on the very first day, he was like, okay, well, we're going to have you watch quite a few, you know, and, uh, you know, after a few months or so, you'll get in there. And then on the second day, he was like, I was just joking. He's like, scrubbing, you're doing like <laughs> the surgery today. And that was just how he rolled because he was like, he would always instill in me. He's like, you are so competent. He's like, you've got this. Like, you know it. You know the material. You know what you're doing. And so he was really that like that person that could stand there, you know, put his arms on you and I could borrow his confidence, right? As I developed my own. So that would be one of the things, you know, that I would, I would give him a lot of credit for was helping me, you know, find and develop my own confidence. I feel like that's a saying that should be put on like walls in vet schools and even in like in practices. And I can even think of a few of my own mentees that are like, that is a phrase that I'm going to borrow for them because they know the stuff. They know what they're doing. They just kind of need that little confidence boost. So it's, yeah. So so say it again for people who weren't fully listening the first time. The context is he would say it like to me when I'm, you know, sort of pulling back from something. And he would say, the problem is confidence, not competence. That is so good. Right. So he's basically telling me like, you've got it. You know what you're doing. The sort of catch to confidence is you can only develop it by doing something. Mm. You can't fully read yourself into confidence, right? Like that can get you started because it allows you to develop the competence, but to actually be confident in something, eventually you're going to have to, you know, pick up that scalpel blade and go do a surgery. Like go do the thing, like literally go do it. (laughs) Yeah. That is so, like, it's a small saying, but honestly, it carries so much weight and so much value. So hopefully some vet students and new grads can take that on board um, as they go into their next clinical rotation, as they go into their match um, for internships or just going into their first job, because I know, like, not everybody is going to end up with an awesome mentor like you had. So hopefully words like that from listening to podcasts can help seep in around the corners and provide them with the the little boost that they need as they keep on going. So carrying on from like the influence that your mentor had, how have those kind of experiences influenced how you have developed and thus what you're hoping to provide to other veterinarians in the profession? Yeah, I guess what I'm hoping to provide, you know, being on podcast, hosting a podcast, it's maybe like even that inspiration or that belief in themselves, you know, like that I feel like I was so blessed to have from my mentor. I understand, unfortunately, not everyone gets that. And so trying to share that and letting people like be aware and understand that we all have various areas, you know, where you have these gifts and you have these talents and maybe you just haven't uncovered it yet. Or, you know, maybe you're a little bit shy to step into it. And so what I really enjoy spending a lot of time discussing and talking about is trying to help people like step into that, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll have all of these stories that we tell ourselves, you know, and we're, maybe we're scared of failure, we're scared of judgment or whatever it is, you know, and trying to sort of encourage people in that direction, you know, and I feel like that's what my mentor did for me. And was that some of the influence that you had? I'm going to open it up here, but to write your book that you just um, are in the process of putting out into the world. Well, I would say for the book, number one, was just something I always wanted to do. Like I enjoy writing and I'd, I often have like 
a variety of unfinished blogs on my computer. You know, that's for me, yeah. that's how I like think I just get it out and write it out and revisit it. So I always wanted to write a book. And then throughout my veterinary career, so I was I clinically practiced for 10 years. And like every veterinarian, you know, you go through different things at different phases of your career. And I had kind of like journaled a bunch of them already. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hit. And I remember my schedule just cleared, right? Like, you know, all of the coffee meetings, all the meetings, all the stuff we were really busy with. And just in the depths of COVID, I think that's like March, 2020. I remember being like, I have all this time. Like, what am I going to do? And I keep off camera here, this entire wall, I painted it with that special paint. It's a giant whiteboard. That's my idea dump. Oh, cool. And I have up there, write a book. And I was like, well, if I'm not going to do it now, when am I going to do it? So I was like, I'm writing a book. And I just started putting all of these blogs together and filling in the stories. And really what I'm trying to give to people is like lessons that I learned through that 10 year, you know, journey of clinical practice. And hopefully it can help people, you know, with a lot of the stuff that we didn't learn in university, or at least I wasn't taught in university. No, that's awesome. It's all that life experience. Exactly. Yeah. And that's like, our training does a phenomenal job, you know, on the medicine and the surgery. And then there was all this other stuff that at least when I got into like, okay, you're in an exam room with a client and a patient, like go. And then all this stuff happens and you're like, I don't remember being taught that. Like, (laughs) where did this come from? Like, where was that client communication course that I had that one time and that one year? Yeah, that does not really cover for the years of um, the years of your life that you honestly spend in a consult room with a client. So there's a lot of life skills that can be learned just from like, again, listening to other veterinarians like yourself who've been through the rim roll of it all. So the fact that you were able to collate it all and put it down onto paper for other people to read, like that is going to be immensely helpful. And I think it'll be really cool to see how it impacts people. And of course, you won't fully know the full impact that your book is going to be able to provide to people, which is kind of cool, but I can assume a little bit frustrating because you're like, oh, I want to know what it's all going to be like. Now, before we get on with the episodes, a quick word from today's show sponsor. Introducing the Vet Career Concierge Service. It's an easy way to find your dream job and it's a brilliantly simple concept. Instead of wasting time searching through thousands of practice jobs that might be a good fit but frequently aren't, let the Vet Career Concierge do the hard work. All you have to do is register, tell us all about your skills and what you're looking for from your next practice, then your Career Concierge goes to work filtering, matching and approaching only practices who are a good fit. If you like the sound of a practice and you want to meet, your concierge will coach you through the interview process, help with negotiations and work to ensure you have a smooth transition into practice when you accept a role. They'll even stay in touch with scheduled career check-ins to make sure you're happy. The service is open to vets and vet nurses with at least one year in practice and legally able to work in the US, Canada, UK, EU or Australia. To register, visit vetxinternational.com forward slash jobs and all registrants will be entered into a prize draw where you could win an Apple Watch, Magnum of Champagne or one of several Amazon gift cards. Registration and membership is free for vets and nurses. So head to vetxinternational.com forward slash jobs to sign up today. Now back to the show. Let's take a little bit of time and I want to dive a little bit into one of the topics that you talk about in your book and just talking about like imposter syndrome, which 
I mean, it's a bit of a, a catchphrase that's been thrown around over the last couple of years. And some people are like, I never use the phrase imposter syndrome. And others are like, well, that's what everyone relates to. So that's what we're going to talk about. So, I mean, I don't want to give away too much of your book, which there was a ton in there that thank you so much for letting me read a little bit of it. That was so cool. But talking about imposter syndrome and talking about just the mindset that so many veterinarians are trained to think in, because like you mentioned it a little bit ago about how like you get all of this external validation um, just from the grades and having to check the boxes to get into vet school. And so you get into vet school and then you realize, hey, um, I'm actually maybe not the smartest in the class anymore and having that kind of hit. And then, of course, you get out into practice and you're like, wow, this is really nothing like vet school. This is nothing like I thought it was going to be. Am I even good enough to be a vet? And like all the different questions that start running through your head. So I'm curious from your perspective, from the years of experience that you've had and the influence that you had in writing at least that chapter of the book, like if you were sitting down in front of the vet students and new grads and you had you had like five minutes to kind of instill that chapter, like what would you say? I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, this is tough to do in five minutes. Like what I would really want to try to impart is I would want to try to shift the context of how people view that. So already all of the listeners listening to this, they've heard the word imposter syndrome and they've already created a narrative in their head of you know what it means to them. And all of us listening, it's all going to be slightly different and that's okay. But I'm going to make a big assumption here and assume that it's mostly negative, right? It's probably a negative story we've just told ourselves, and we're probably pulling back from that a little bit. If I could only change one thing around the conversation, around imposter syndrome. And I agree, I don't really love that term, but we'll mm. use it because it's relatable. I would want to flip that and get people starting to view it as a good thing. And the reason I'm going to say that it's a good thing is imposter syndrome, you know, is implying that we're in a growth mindset, right? We are in new territory and we're not quite sure about it at this point in time. And I always like say to people, like, think about how boring your life would be if you never experienced imposter syndrome. Like imagine if everything you hmm. ever do from now on is just a hundred percent comfortable. Nothing is new. You will never go into growth mode. That would be horrible. No one would pick that kind of life, right? So the first thing I would try to get across to the students is thinking of imposter syndrome as a good thing. It's an indicator of growth, right? Now, unfortunately, there will be failure along the way. That is just life, right? Like, and you can't have it both as a veterinarian. We cannot, you know, take all of the, like the rewards that this career has, which are immense without having to also carry the burden of the responsibility. That's just the way it is. Like you can't, you can't have one without the other. So changing the context of looking at imposter syndrome as something that's like, yes, this is telling me I'm on the right path. Then once we get that little cue, awesome. You know, let's get really competent at whatever is causing this imposter syndrome. Let's develop the confidence in it. And then that'll reset. That's the funny part is imposter syndrome will never go away. You're just going to be at different levels when you hit it, right? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden the dog's pay is very comfortable. Well, okay, now we're going to tackle, you know, TPLO surgery, new level of imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. right? 
Yeah. And like full disclosure for me, releasing a book, massive levels of imposter syndrome. <laughs> like, you know, like this book took a long time for me to actually release because it's like, I'm just being honest with it here. Even though I write about imposter syndrome, it's not like anyone ever conquers it. Yeah. No, I totally get that. And as you're saying it, it's like you have this like the little circles, the windows of comfort, like the like here you are, the next level out is you're like, oh, kind of get an idea. But then the next level out, you get a little bit more uncomfortable. And then just outside of that comfort is where you have that new growth. But within that is where imposter syndrome sits. And when you reach that level is when you kind of know, all right, I'm trying something new here. I have a ton of opportunity to grow and develop. So it's kind of like just as you said, imposter syndrome isn't necessarily a bad thing. It is a invitation to growth. So Mm -hmm. I'm blasting past five minutes. I'll tie in one piece you said just on the external validation. And I know like for me, a funny sort of exercise I've, I've had done to me is pretend that you're walking down the street and pretend that you just sort of stumbled and you tripped and fell over the sidewalk. Right. And then, you know, you get up, you hurry and you look around and now ask yourself, are you embarrassed that you fell or are you looking around to see if anyone else noticed? Hmm. Right. And it's just sort of a funny little exercise to do, to think about, you know, the pieces of external validation. Cause a lot of times, at least for me, I would find, you know, you will encounter failures in your life and the failures honestly aren't that bad. Mm-hmm. It's all of the meaning we attach to all the judgment we think other people have around it. We don't want to fail in public because that would be embarrassing. And so when we tie in this external validation piece, and I mean, this was part of my journey, personal growth, awareness, intention, and starting to tr- like shift away from that external validation and really figuring out, okay, like, who am I? Like, what's my identity? What's in alignment with me? And it really softens the edges on all of the, you know, imposter syndrome and fear of failure. Wow. That is like, as I'm hearing you say it, I'm like, if there's nothing else that anybody takes away from this podcast, I feel like that can be the crux of it all is just understanding where, like where this all comes from and how you can use it to, for your own personal growth story. And yes, you went over the five minutes, but I kind of anticipated that would happen. So <laughs> that's all good. That's all good. And honestly, we are we are kind of wrapping up for this episode. So as much as I would love to, and like people know, I love to dive into imposter syndrome and mentorship, but we're going to keep it short. We're going to try. I'm going to try. But in the time that we have remaining, I would love for you to tell people a little bit more about the podcast, a little bit more about the book, which I know can be pre-ordered right now. It'll be shipped um, starting on March 22nd. So you can go through Amazon, correct, on that one? Yeah, I think it's all like major online retailers, but Amazon to keep it simple. Okay. So yeah, so tell us a little bit more. Like, Tell us about the book. Tell us about the podcast. Um, tell us where we can find it all. Well, you can find it all the veterinaryproject.com and I'll I'll dive into the podcast first because really like the book I draw so much from the podcast cuz we're you know we're chatting with all these amazing veterinarians all around the world so I bring in a lot of stories there. The veterinary project so that's me and our my co-host Jonathan. Really it was like, you know, what we've chatted about here and we're going through our careers and then it's like you start chatting with people and you're like, "Are you feeling this way too?" And it's like, yeah, I am. But like people weren't talking about it. And I, podcasting has got a lot more popular now. But Jonathan and I finally got together and we're like, let's just do a podcast about this. Like, let's get people on and talk about everything that isn't medicine and surgery. 
you know, in the veterinary world. So that was really where the podcast came from. The book, the title of the book is You're Going to Get Peed On. I love that, by the way. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, I mean, and I won't give it away because it's in the book and there's a very distinct story where the title comes from. But if you're a veterinary student, if you're an early veterinarian, you are going to get peed on. Like (laughs) literally and figuratively, you know, it's going to happen. And it's, it's all about how veterinarians can keep their dream job from becoming a nightmare. You can find that on the veterinary project website as well. And like I said, it kind of works through that. The chapters are, are roughly aligned with the order that you'll probably face the challenges as a new grad, right? So you touched on imposter syndrome that comes in very early in the book, you know, and as we work through the book, you know, we pull in like decision fatigue, you know, empathy, fatigue, your identity. And then I do get into some financial, the last few chapters are all about like personal finance and investing. That's a huge, you know, passion area of mine that I think can really benefit veterinarians as well. Absolutely. Oh, God, goodness. I'm so excited for people to read this book. And just there's so many little takeaways um, that they'll have for it. So thank you so much for telling us a little bit more about the book, where we can find it. And I do encourage everyone to go and check out the Veterinary Project podcast. There are so many amazing stories from the veterinary profession that will uplift you. They'll provide you maybe with some new ideas of um, little side hustles that you can have within veterinary medicine. Um, there's just so many cool things that you can find there. So with that, I'll say, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show today, sharing a little bit more about your own personal story so that it can help inspire, encourage, and challenge other veterinary students and veterinary professionals. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this stuff. And I know we could talk about it all day, but with that, we will wrap up the episode. And just for anyone who's listening, you can find out more about um, that Vet Life podcast and you can listen to more episodes wherever podcasts are found, and then also through the VEDEX international community. So until next week, y'all, see ya. And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also don't forget to head over to vedexinternational.com and enroll in the VEDEX community for free to get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also leaving a review of the show on iTunes, we greatly appreciate it because again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Vet Life. 